This is it. Street life, it's the only life I know. All the hustling in the building, living on my own. No one, I can love no one to trust. Till you came into my life, girl. Now I'm giving it all up. All right. <clears throat> Welcome to another edition of the Million Breakdown. Now, what is called One in a Million. Uh, we have changed names. It is being called One in a Million now because this podcast is one in a million. There's plenty of podcasts out there, but I'm the only rolling million out there. So it is now being called One in a Million. So thank you for joining again. I am your host, Roland Million. Um, <clears throat> a lot of things to discuss uh, on today's podcast. Um, we're going to talk about the Kendrick Perkins and the Draymond Green saga. We're going to talk about both Game 7s. And then we're going to talk about the player that you need to watch um, from the past so you can get an understanding, get a respect for them, and just get knowledge on the game. Um, first thing we're going to discuss is the Kendrick Perkins and Draymond saga. Now, I have no problem with Perkins saying Draymond wasn't being aggressive. I understand Draymond being upset and coming back, and usually I disagree with Perk, but I think no one is wrong in this situation. Um Perk said what he said, and that's his job, to watch and analyze. But I also feel for Draymond because a lot of it is uh, – there's a lot probably going through his head right now. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, Adrian Payne, uh, Draymond's teammate, his friend, sort of like his little brother, was killed uh, in Detroit, I believe, while trying to stop a domestic dispute. Now, I know people will say – you have to try to take your mind off things and push through. But remember, everybody in the world gets bereavement time when they're at work, when something tragic happens. And they are allowed to just get away from things for a little while. Draymond hasn't had that time. He hasn't had his. But yet he still comes out and he still plays hard. So props to Draymond. But no hate on Perk because this time at least no hate on Perk because he was just doing his job. He was stating what he felt, and I don't think there was like – I don't think it was bad, but he was just doing what he thought was the truth, you know. Draymond wasn't playing aggressive. And, you know, also I'd like to say RIP to Adrian Payne. Uh, a little background on Payne. He made the NBA, didn't stay long. But one thing that I will never forget is him trying to win a national championship, just not for himself in Michigan State, but for the little girl, Lacey Holsworth, who was like, she she absolutely loved Adrian Payne. She was his biggest fan. She lost her life to cancer. Um, I think it was neuroblastoma. Uh, he made her smile in a time where she probably didn't understand what was going on with her and how sick she was. And that's what made Adrian Payne such a good person. So to Payne, um, a great college player, but even better person. Um, I send my condolences out to the family. 
Um, more people in the world needed to be like Adrian Payne, um, looking to make differences in people's life. May you rest in eternal peace. I'm sure Draymond has not stopped thinking about you since he got the news. So, um, you know, rest in peace, Adrian Payne, and um, my condolences go out to his family. Um, next up, game seven. No better words in sports than game seven. And we got two of them on Sunday. The Suns versus the Mavs, the Celtics versus the Bucks. But even though the Celtics and the Bucks start first, we're going to start with the Suns and the Mavs. This game isn't as much about the Suns versus the Mavs to me as it is, it, it, as it could be about changing of the guard. You know, uh, say what you want about Chris Paul. He is one of the all-time greats, a top 75 player of all time. But in some moments, I feel like he puts too much pressure on himself and then he flounders. I remember a game where I went to the Celtics versus the Hornets and the Celtics played the Hornets and I was up close and personal and I can hear the convos that were being had, you know, and it wasn't a time where everybody had their phones and they can record it and then put it on TikTok, put it on Twitter, put it on Instagram, and then it got shared. Uh, it was, it was like 2010, I believe. And Rondo had told Chris, you will never get a ring. Um, and now back then I was like, oh, that's too damn harsh by Rondo saying that he's never going to win a ring. I, I think that's, that's, that's a little, that's a little uh, premature to say that he's not going to win a ring. Now here we are 12 years later and he still hasn't won a ring and it, it may be true. And here we have Chris Paul. He has a three and five record in game sevens uh, with some good victories uh, versus Golden State, Memphis, and San Antonio. San Antonio, the big game seven victory that he had where his hamstring was struggling and he was able to put that tough shot over Danny Green and uh, Tim Duncan. I was not happy about that game. I wanted the Spurs to win. Now, one of the people who I'm close with who does his own you know, YouTube channel and podcast, Dime Dropper, um, he's a, he's a Clippers fan and I'm sure he was happy about it, but I wasn't. Okay. Now I know people will say this, this one game seven, it shouldn't define his legacy. Now it doesn't really define his legacy, but this in fact is a defining moment, especially with the emergence of Luca and the way he's been playing, looking like arguably the best 23 year old we've ever seen. Um, there's Michael. There's Duncan, there's LeBron, there's Kareem, there's Wilt, there's Magic, plenty of people. But he's arguably, he is in that argument. He's right up there with them. And this would be even more of an obstacle to hurdle if he can't get it done. Because um, you think about what could happen next year. You could possibly have a healthy Jamal Murray back. Maybe in, like, because, you know, Denver struggled without Jamal Murray. And you could possibly have a, a healthy Jamal Murray back. You could possibly have a healthy PG-13 back. You could possibly have Kawhi back. So this one game could mean a lot because he hasn't played up to par in these last few games. And this is an opportunity to silence the haters, but it also could be the last opportunity he gets to move on and try to fight for a championship. You know, I don't know what will happen, but in game seven, either Chris Paul continues to move forward towards his goal of winning a championship 
Or maybe Luka Magic pushes Dallas to another magical run that we haven't seen from the Mavericks since the Mavericks GOAT, Dirk Nowitzki, um, led them to a championship in 2011, an improbable championship that no one, no one, and I mean absolutely no one, say what you want. Everybody says, oh, yeah, well, they were much better because they want to prop up the person who lost in the finals. Everybody says they were much better. Now, they were better, but no one at the beginning of the season, unless you were a Dallas Mavericks or a Dirk fan, not one person thought that the Dallas Mavericks were going to win that championship. And we will find out tomorrow who's going to be the who's going to be the leader. Is Luca taking over and putting Chris Paul to the side where this might not be there might not be a, another chance for Chris Paul again, or does Chris Paul move forward towards his goal again and having a matchup against Steph Curry where he hasn't been that successful, but at the same time we think about when the last time a healthy um, Golden State Warriors lost, they lost to, I believe it was Chris Paul. So we will see what happened. What will happen, excuse me. Now, up next to my squad, the squad that I have been saying since the beginning that will win in seven, seven games. Even without Chris Middleton. Now, I know Chris Middleton is a big, huge factor, and I, I don't know how we would have fared if Chris Middleton was here, but this is the NBA, and a lot of championships, you know, you, you have to have the skills, but you got to have a little bit of luck, too. If you think about the amount of championships and the amount of injuries that people have had um, for other teams going forward, I mean, you think about uh, John Havlicek when he got injured back in the 60s or 70s, I believe it was, I think it was 73, um, when the New York Knicks ended up winning the uh, uh, NBA championship. You think about 1983, when even though the Sixers were killing everybody, um, they beat everybody and they only lost one game to the Milwaukee Bucks. You think about the injury that happened to James Worthy, he broke his leg. Um, you think about 87, Kevin McHale played with a broken foot. Maybe if he doesn't have a broken foot, it changes the complexion of that series. Same goes with Bill Walton. Then in 88, you have Isaiah Thomas with the ankle sprain. 89, you have Magic with the hamstring. Um, 1990, I mean, you could, say, you, you could say what you want, but you could even say the migraine headache, okay? Because Scottie Pippen was enduring the death of his father about maybe a week later, uh, a week before that. So, I mean... Then you go into more recent KG being injured in 2009, where everybody thought it was going to be a rematch of the finals with the Lakers and the Celtics. Then even Bynum being injured in 2008. Then in 2010, you had Perkins um, being injured in game six, tearing his ACL. Like you can keep going on. And more recently, you think about AD, his injury. Okay. You got to have a little bit of luck with you. OK, you can be as good as you want to be, but you got to have a little bit of luck. Every team has to have a little bit of luck, whether or not it's them staying healthy throughout the whole year because injuries happen in basketball or whether it's not someone else on the other team getting getting injured. You know, and at the end of the day, you got to play the game. OK, you, you can't just say, well, we lost because of those injuries, because, you know, any team could say that at the end of the day, you got to play the game. So 
Now here we are with Celtics and the Bucks on the eve of their game Celt- uh, game seven. What do the Celtics need to do um, that they didn't do in game five and did do in game six? In game five, we started strong, very strong. Uh, th- when I say we, I mean the Celtics. But they lost focus and started to go away from the ball movement and didn't close. In game six, they did the opposite. They started strong. They maintained, they closed, and they made a concerted effort to stay focused throughout the game. Now, listen, every team makes runs. A lot of people are like, I don't understand how they blow leads. This is what happens. Every team makes runs. You can't sustain a lead all the time. If that was the case, then there'd be no sense in teams battling back. But At the same time, we have to make a genuine effort. The Celtics have to make a genuine effort to not go away from what got them there and what got them that success in the first place. Human nature is, if something isn't working right away, we try something different. The Celtics need to stay consistent in attacking, stay consistent in moving the ball, stay consistent in looking for mismatches, stay consistent in executing their sets. Tomorrow, Tatum doesn't need to score 40. If he does and we win, great. But we need everyone to give a maximum effort. Don't look for the crowd to get you going. You got to have your own intrinsic motivation. And the biggest thing is we need to play smart. I don't mean play Marcus smart. I mean to play intelligent, play smart. A lot of people think basketball is about, oh, well, if you play hard, it's the key. There's a lot of people that play hard and aren't good. Playing hard is a given especially in a game seven, but playing smart is what we need to do. Playing intelligent is what we need to do. Not letting the pressure of game seven force us to try to do things or force the Celtics to try to do things that they're not accustomed to doing, right? So playing smart, playing intelligent is what what you need to do. Going out there and playing hard, that should be the expectation, especially if it's a game seven. There's no tomorrow if you lose this game. So you have to play hard. But playing smart is how the Celtics are going to win that game. Now, I said Celtics in seven because even without Middleton, I said this team is the defending champs. And when you're the defending champs, you have a certain type of confidence, a certain type of aura around you because you know you've been there before. It's a huge task to beat the defending champs. It's always a huge task to beat defending champs four times in a row, okay? Because they've been there before. They've been through all these circumstances before, and they don't get rattled. And then the confidence from other people, like Pat Connington, has been playing absolutely marvelous in this playoffs. And the last two games, he has been unbelievable. Um, representing Massachusetts. He's from Massachusetts and I'm from Massachusetts. So I got to give a shout out to Connington there, Arlington. Um, But he's been marvelous, right? And that's what happens when you're the defending champs. That certain type of confidence and swagger, it builds you up. So you're ready for these moments, okay? Now I said the Celtics are going to win in seven, even without Middleton, like I said, because they're still great. I also said it's going to be the Celtics and the Warriors in the finals. So Celtics, continue to make me a profit and get that W tomorrow because a lot of people after game one started to doubt you. You know, I kept my stance. 
from the beginning and still did. And especially after game five, a lot of people had you dead in the water. I did not. I still kept my stance and I said Celtics in seven. And I'm going to say it again, Celtics in seven and they win by three. They win by three and they get a great effort. It's going to be a great effort from Al Horford. And I'm telling you right now, Derek White is going to do a few things that are going to help us win this game. That's my thoughts. We'll see if it rings true, but Celtics make me a profit. Lastly, how we end all episodes, um, players who don't get enough credit. Now, I posted a video of him on my pages. Uh, The Rock. No, I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson from WWE. I'm talking about the one who was nicknamed The Rock before The Rock was uh, given the name The Rock. I'm talking about Mitch Richmond. He was a six-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, an Olympian. He averaged 20 points for his career, and he played for 14 years. So you know, you know how impressive that is. Um, if you look at some of the guys who are in the Hall of Fame, you know they had the better teams. And some of them didn't end up averaging 20 points. Some of them are are, are stuck at like 14, 15 points, and they're in the Hall of Fame, you know. And here's Mitch Richmond, who averaged 20 for his career, and he played for 14 years. That's a long time. And you know how impressive that is, especially playing alongside two Hall of Famers for his first first three or four years in the the NBA uh, when he played in Golden State. Uh, we're talking about Tim Hardaway just recently into the Hall of Fame. And then we're talking about Chris Mullen, who was one of the top 50 players of all time, didn't make the cut um, for a top 75. Um, he has over 20,000 points. He had a great jump shot, a, a smooth jump shot. I loved watching him shoot when I play, when he played. And Kenny Smith said it best. Um, for a period of time, He was the second best shooting guard, only the Michael Jordan. But people don't hear about him enough because when he left Golden State and left, even though Golden State's not the greatest, biggest market, he left and he went to a different different market. Now, let me me go back on that. He didn't leave. He got traded. Um, And when he got traded, he went to a small market in Sacramento, even though it's still in California, it was a smaller market, and you didn't really see him. You didn't really see him play unless he happened to be playing up against like Michael Jordan or Clyde Drexler or unless they were in the playoffs. But they really never made the playoffs that much because he didn't always have the supporting cast. When you talk about someone who needed help for some of those years that he was playing, Mitch Richmond's name needs to come into play when you talk about needing help for the majority of the years. Okay, but, you know, honestly, finally, once he started to get some players like Olden Paulinese, people don't pay attention to Olden Paulinese. Olden Paulinese is a person who got traded for Scottie Pippen in the Seattle deal. Um, Olden Paulinese, very good player. Um, those who watch him, he's I, I, I love him because he represents Haiti, and I'm Haitian. So Olden Paulinese, they got Tyus Edney. And then once he got his former teammate and also a Hall of Famer, Sarunas Marshallonis, a.k.a. Rooney, And ironically, the person he was traded for initially, Billy Owens came back to the team, and then they had Brian Grant to the team. Brian Grant, who ended up playing on those Portland Trailblazers teams 
um, with Rasheed Wallace that ended up losing that game seven. And they he was part of that team that had the Memorial Day miracle from Sean Elliott. Uh, they lost that game. But once he got those guys, all right, he was able to make the postseason. Now, they didn't win because they played a very tough, tough Seattle Supersonics team that ended up going to the NBA Finals and losing to the Bulls in six. But if you want to see just how good he was, go watch game two of that 1996 first-round matchup and see just how damn good he was. That man was unbelievable. He had 37 points in a plethora of ways. We're talking about mid-ranges, three-pointers, attacking the basket, finishing through contact. A lot of people don't realize how strong he was. He was like a pit bull, and hence why they called him the rock. And he was actually a good defender. And people don't see that. Because of his strength, he was actually a very good defender. Jordan had a tough time posting him up because of how strong he was. And he's very underrated with his strength. And again, people didn't get to see it because he was rarely televised on national TV, which stinks because the only time you got to see him was the playoffs, you know, and I think the NBA needs to do a better job of that because you have games this year where the Lakers were televised like 30 some odd times or maybe even 20 some odd times and they were getting blown out in a lot of these games. And it's like you have these other teams who are playing, competing. And you don't get a good look of it, Adam. Think about the Pelicans. The Pelicans did a good job this year. They played Phoenix tough, but no one got to see them. Everybody just thought that the Pelicans were just going to go there, get swept, and it was going to be done. But they were a good team, especially after the C.J. McCollum trade. And when you talk about how badly it stinks because the only time you get to see them is the playoffs, you can relate this to today, how during Al Horford's career – The only time you got to see Al Horford, especially if you were in Boston or Atlanta, like was watching the home network games. Right. And I only got to see Al Horford really. Now I had league pass, so I got to see Al Horford play a little bit, but unless they were playing up against these Lakers teams or the Celtics or, or uh, like maybe even a Dallas or OKC, you rarely were going to see them. And you didn't get to see how good Al Horford was and the little things that he does. And same goes for Mitch Richmond. You have someone who's in a, who had a Hall of Fame career that doesn't get enough limelight unless you are a real student of the game, which I was. So I always got to see whatever I could of Mitch Richmond's game. Um, so check out game two of the 1996 first round matchup between the Kings versus the Sonics. And watch how Mitch Richmond, um, he just wills his team to victory with his 37 points. And see just a small sample size of just how good he was. All right. This has been another episode of the once called Million Breakdown, now called One in a Million. I am your host, uh, Roland Million. I want you to enjoy the day. Enjoy the nice weather if you're in Massachusetts because it is it is 86 degrees out. Go for a walk, get some ice cream, do something. Um, enjoy it. Those Game 7s tomorrow will be epic. I cannot wait to tune in and be glued to the TV and watch these games. Um, if you have an opportunity, um, uh, Green with Envy, um, the 617 podcast, uh, they have a playback. 
uh, thing that yeah, the playback where they watch the games and they talk about it and they do some analysis on the game. Um, if you have an opportunity, join into their playback. Uh, they put the link on their Twitter site. So join in and, and have some good conversation, especially if you don't want to hear the commentators. Have some good conversation, laughs, join in. Um, once again, I said my name is Roland Million. This has been the Million Breakdown, a.k.a. the new name, One in a Million. I can't wait for tomorrow to tune in. Go Celtics. Go Seas. Then I changed, baby. Jitter was such a jitter. I don't want to be a jitter no more. I don't want to be a jitter no more. I don't